Welcome to I'm Not Dead Yet with Judy and Travis, a podcast about living an extraordinary life with extraordinary circumstances. Welcome to the I'm Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your co-host, Travis Robinson. I was diagnosed with Parkinson's disease at age 35 in 2014. And I'm your other co-host, Judy Yaris. My husband, Sandy, had Parkinson's disease for 18 years, and I was his care partner. Today's episode, we'll be talking a little bit about the invisible symptoms and how it can really wreak havoc if you're not aware of them yourself and um, how much you make your friends and loved ones aware of them is the more that they can be attuned to them showing up. How are you tonight, Judy? I'm good, Travis. I've had a pretty busy day nonstop, but I am actually excellent tonight. So I'm curious. You have to explain this because you're talking about it as invisible symptoms. So are they invisible to you or just to the people around you? Um, they're principally, um, invisible to the people around me. Although I suppose if I was not attuned to what was going on with my body, they could be confusing to me as well. I'm talking about like gastroparesis issues, for example. Mm. And that, as we know, will slow down and almost freeze your digestive tract, which means food, nutrients, medicine, and anything else you take orally does not get to where it needs to be, which are your small intestines, for your body to absorb them. And that will cause sluggishness, slowness on top of exasperated PD symptoms, but it has no outward visible sign. Yes, I am really, I feel like I'm a gastroparesis expert. (laughs) I'm really not, but I lived with that with Sandy for probably five years of his PD. And until it was finally diagnosed, it was a fucking nightmare. That's what I want to tell you. It was no picnic. Yeah. And I'd never even heard of that. I'd never even heard the word motility, which I think most people don't even know what that means. It can really run the poor PD person through the ringer. And again, if they're not really in tune and, you know, paying attention, they might not even understand what's going on. They just see it as, oh, my PD symptoms are worse today. Gosh, I wonder why I'm not hungry. Yes. And I'm not taking any trips to the bathroom. (laughs) It's like, yeah, no shit. (laughs) Literally no shit along the way. 
I mean, it was that idea of fullness that I think was the triggering point for us. Like there was a lot of nausea with it, which, you know, I hear people talk about Mm -hmm. uh, in support groups, they talk about getting nauseous from their uh, medication from the cinnamon. But I sometimes wonder if it's really, and I I know it is the cinnamon because that is a side thing that could happen. I do wonder sometimes if the nausea that people are experiencing could be coming from gastroparesis. And for some of you that don't know, it is not only, it is its own disease, but it's also a symptom of Parkinson's and one that was not discussed very openly for a long, long time. Right. And it's the kind of thing that if you're nauseous all the time from the medicine you take and you feel nauseous, you're liable to just simply write it off as, oh, my pills are making my stomach upset again and not really twigging on, you know, other things that could be making you sick again. Because as we've discussed, having Parkinson's does not give you a pass or exempt you from having any other dysfunction, medical or otherwise. It's just, it can just make everything much worse. So this is when, you know, we talk about seeing a, um, a gastroenterologist that really understands Parkinson's disease. Right. And even if you're not having acute symptoms of gastroparesis or whatever, seeing a gastroenterologist just to confirm that everything is working as it should in your gut and your digestive tract would be something that I would recommend every person with PD does at least once every two or three years. And it's in the, the test is, not horrible. They give you radioactive bread to eat. <laughs> I mean, that's basically what they do. They give you food to eat in the lab, and it has uh, ra- this little radioactive coating on it, which is not, apparently doesn't taste any different. But then they watch it on uh, through the scan, and they can see how long it takes for the food to actually do the whole process of going and making it to your small intestine. And I can tell you folks, with Sandy, he was there for seven and a half hours and they sent him home and said, there's just no reason to have you stay here. It's not happening. And it took a while. And there were medications that he could use. He also had an interesting issue that went along with this, which he was creating methane gas. And that also made him quite ill. Yes. And, and by the way, I'm not speaking like um, flatulence gas. This was in, this was an internal gas that he was creating in his body. And that also made him extremely uncomfortable. It's like he just could not eat. His desire to eat anything and to drink was just gone. I mean, he lost so much weight with it. And he always felt full. You know, people just don't quite understand. They right. were like, I think that my children kept thinking, oh, he must be 
depressed. He doesn't want to eat. And he's going, I can't eat. You don't understand. I just don't have room for it. And that's because the motility, the the activity of the food processing was just too slow. So when you think of it for food, and then you think about the fact that you're taking a pill that is going through this same process. Right. It goes down the same route. How long does it take for your meds to kick in? So for some people, it can take a very, very long time. And hence, that's why some of these new delivery systems are so great because they eliminate that problem. Right. By bypassing the whole digestive tract entirely, either dissolving under your tongue, inhaling powder Mm -hmm. into your lungs, or uh, transdermally through a pad. Right. And there's also, I think, what is it, Duopa, where you actually have a port and that's another one that I think is very helpful for people that really suffer from this. It's a little more invasive, so a lot of people don't like it. But it, it can be, for the right person, it is a real lifesaver for them. I, I think that it's important right. to to recognize that with PD, you know, these can be invisible symptoms. I, now that, you know, we're thinking about this, you you mentioned it to me earlier, and I was thinking, well, what the hell is he talking about, invisible symptoms? But that may be it. You, you Maybe you think you just had some bad tacos or a bad burrito the night before, and that's what's causing the issues. But it's really not. It's your digestive tract and how it's working. Right, and it falls under the autonomic functions that we know PD plays havoc with, along with your blood pressure, your heart rate, respiration rate, and all the other things that, for most healthy people, happen automatically and require no thought at all. So along with all the other things that you have to think about when you have PD that the rest of us don't think about, you know, now you have to think about, well, how fast is the food traveling through my system? And is it traveling at all? Is it all just sitting there, kind of putrefying in the gut? And I think that's what happens for a lot of people. Right. And today we're hearing a lot about the the gut biome, that this is a, a big issue and people talking about the fact that we, you know, take probiotics, take prebiotics. There's so many areas. Um, of interest with this now that never would it wasn't there before. I mean, I think in the last ten years, probably we've heard more about it. But in the early days, no one talked about your gut. No one even mentioned gastroparesis, nor did they mention any kind of gut issues being associated with Parkinson's. That there was no connection. Right. Not that they weren't associated with Parkinson's, but the doctors weren't telling <laughs> folks about it, and. They themselves probably didn't know a whole lot about it. And so it would always come up as an isolated thing. You know, a PD patient might complain that they're not able to eat very much. And the doctor writes it off as, oh, like you said, they're depressed or it's lack of appetite for, you know, medication, nausea, or some other thing. And it's a big deal. It is. And it's frustrating if you are a care partner 
and taking care of someone who's not eating. I, I can say, especially um, for me, it was it was always frustrating to me to think that he just kept avoiding food all the time. And and once we finally got to the right, right doctor and they started running these tests and they could see what was happening, that he had big motility issues. Once he got on the medication, it was like a whole new world for him. I mean, he really started to feel better. Right. And that that really improved his energy level as well. You know, and that's what you were just talking right. about before is that you feel not slow, sluggish, lethargic. You know, because your your insides are yeah, so sluggish and, and lethargic. Your your digestive tract is right, not working. and and it's like um, you can't operate if you don't get a good night's sleep and a decent meal in you. And if you can't get that decent meal in you, then you're starting the day off right. at a deficit run that two or three times and you're right. really hurting because even the best of us, the most healthy people aren't at their operating prime. If they miss meals or they eat, you know, reduced right. portion. Right. I remember Sandy, once I gave him a, a half a bagel and then he, he, I went in and he said, I, I, this is all I could do. And it was like a quarter, it was half of a half of a bagel. He had like a quarter of a bagel. And I thought, I know bagels are kind of dense, but it's like, give me a break. You know, you haven't eaten all day long and this is as much as you could get down. So I, I think that, right. I, I think we really have to look at this. And I also think it's helpful to consult with nutrition people and dietitians and really kind of look at what's going on. And, and get a nice, this is how yeah. you build your care team, you know, along the way. Right. It, and it's what we talk about a lot, Judy, is that you have to have a whole team dedicated to your care with PD. You know, there's the gastroenterologist, the neuro-ophthalmologist, the podiatrist, the urologist. All the other gists that come along right. with um, your neurologist, people who are visiting just the garden variety neurologist, not even a motor, dis motor dysfunction specialist. I mean, I don't know how they're getting by. I, I really don't. But they do. I would say the majority of the people are seeing are being treated by regular neurologists. And a lot of people are just getting treated by their internist. And that is not the way it should go. Right. You need to have a, a movement disorder specialist. I mean, that's really important to have that. Right. And, and it's a quality of care. I mean, we know... Uh, someone in the support groups who said that, you know, for eight or nine years, she was treated by her regular internist. And it wasn't until she moved to a bigger city and, you know, had to switch doctors that she switched to a movement disorder specialist who told her about exercise and all the other aspects of PD, she was like, I came out of the dark right. ages. That's exactly what happens. 
So I think it's good. You know, it's good that we're talking about this. Are there other invisible symptoms other than gastro symptoms that you can think of? Yeah, there's the uh, other autonomic function, dysfunction problems, like the hypotension, um, low blood pressure that effectively makes sitting up too quickly or standing up too quickly rather mm-hmm. dangerous for PD yeah. folks. And I am blessed that at this moment, uh, knock wood, I don't have that too mm-hmm. much. But if I'm not careful, I think that I would. And it's like, Sarah will sometimes ask me, are you okay? Are you frozen? Did you get stuck? And I'm like, no, I'm just taking a moment to get (laughs) up because I want to do so safely. And you have to think about it. You have to be cautious and take your time. And, And that's good. You know, I commend you for that. Because the people that don't think about it, that just stand up or from a chair or they get up from their sofa, those are the people that have the falls, you know, in their own home. And it can be really, you know, horrible when that happens. But that's an example of where even someone who lives with me sees me every day. She can't always tell what. I'm what's bothering me PD wise, or is it, you know, some auxiliary symptom like the blood pressure or the gastro that's bothering me? So it can be really frustrating, I imagine, for the care partner when you don't know really what the hell's wrong with your PD person and you're forced to guess. Or you risk the feeling like you're interrogating right, which is them. Terrible to feel like you're doing that and always asking, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" I mean, I, I then, I, then they just want to tell you to fuck off. You know, let's face it. At that point, if they're done with yes, you, they're done with they you do. at that moment. So I, I think what's fascinating for me is, and I'm good. I am going to ask you. Uh, one question before I even get to what's fascinating for me, but I'll probably forget what that is down the road. But in the meantime, I do want to ask you, do you say to Sarah, you know, things are bad today, this is what's going on, or do you just wait for her to try to guess it? I generally try and give her the heads up, like I'm having a little trouble, I'm moving slow, Um, although it's usually... um. I'm moving slow because that will affect, you know, plans that we have if we're going to a Mm -hmm. barbecue or something. Then it's like, hey, here's a heads up. I'm going to need help getting ready or extra time Mm -hmm. to get ready. So, you know, that's a heads up. But in the truth, it may also be like I haven't pooped in three days and I'm feeling uh, horrible, but I may consolidate that into, I'm moving slow today. And I think that's not enough. And that's what I want to say. Like if you have not had a bowel movement for three days, which is totally common with Parkinson's, totally common to be constipated. 
um, that can really, it can affect your disposition. Like you can be really cranky and irritable and, and just hating the world and very edgy with that. So anything your care partner might say yes. to you, um, it's not unlikely that you wouldn't try to like take their head off in two seconds flat. So, I mean, I, I think, you know, right. my, from my perspective, I always wanted Sandy to kind of let me know, like, what's going on today? Are you feeling down? Is it like physical? Are you having problems with your stomach? Is it the dystonia in your arm or your feet? You know, what the, what's going on here? And I think for the care partner, it's really, really hard to figure out where they're coming from. And so uh, I, I think it's good to ask and ask maybe once, maybe even twice. But when you start really nagging, then you just turn off the other person and forget it. Then, then it's just not worth it to them to try to even explain to you what's going on. Right. But you, you hit on an important concept there. Ask, but also ask the qualified question, not just how are you doing or are you okay? Because I can be several levels of okay. I mean, there's okay, like I just got done climbing, I'm exhausted, but I'm happy and I'm safe and I'm okay versus like I just puked all over myself and pissed myself. And I know that I will be okay eventually, but at the moment, my okay is I'm still here and still hanging (laughs) on there. Yeah. There's different okays. okays. And that's why, that's why it is qualifying. You know, are you having trouble with X or Y? Are you moving slowly or are you, um, would you like me to get that for you? Is a very specific kind of question that I, at least, you know, speaking only for myself, I don't mind being asked variations of that, but the same repeated, are you okay? You don't look okay. Are you are you sure right. you're okay? Yeah. That's just you, annoying. You know that that's just <laughs> yeah that that's likely going to get you a very <laughs> flippant answer. Probably the second or third time yeah, you absolutely. ask it, and if you ask it more than three times, well then that's <laughs> on you. Right. I mean, we have to be careful as a care partner to. We want to be involved. And I have to say, you know, there, there are some care partners that don't want to know. You know, they, they don't. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's different levels and different ways that people are care partners. Some care partners are very involved and want to be at the doctor's office. Every time they see the neurologist, they want to be really involved in the care, in the care treatment plan for their person, their partner that they're taking care of or that they're with, what they may not be taking care of them, but that they are living with. And other people, you know, they don't want to know. 
They just want you to handle it and, and figure it out and get it done. And whatever it takes, just do it and get yourself back in shape. And that's okay. I, I'm not putting a judgment value on that. I, I think I can't because there's different styles and what works for some people doesn't work for everyone. So I'm, I'm pretty open on that one. I, I think that we have to allow for different, different folks, different strokes for different folks, you know, how they, and even in their relationship, like how some people are not as intimately involved to share some of this information where, you know, you put it all right. out on the table, Sandy put it all out on the table, but not everyone does that. And we have to acknowledge that. That's important. I share what's going on with well, to the me. Whole world. Um, <laughs> I mean, <whether laughs> let's face it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with, with all these uh, yeah. podcasts, yeah. Yeah. everybody knows yeah. how you're doing, Travis. Um, but I think that's good. And you know what? It's probably very therapeutic <laughs> yes. for you to do that, to be able to talk about it and release it. But a lot of people really can't do that. A lot of people are not able to be quite so open and to be quite so intimate. And and that's okay too. Like, you know, I I want people to understand that, you know, Travis and I sort of have an agreement and a style here that anything kind of goes with us because those are the kind of people we are. But I also recognize that there are many people that are not like that. And to be fair, you right. are entitled and, to your privacy. And we're, we're not, not judging, judging you. You're entitled to your privacy and you're entitled to do your PD the way you're going to do your PD. And and that is totally fair. Right. Um, but just know that, you know, we we bring income from a different place. We come from a pretty open place with this. And um, it worked. It's worked for us. In, it worked for me as a care partner. It worked for Sandy as a patient. It's worked for Travis as a patient and a person with PD. So, um, you know, I, I always like to qualify that a little bit because I do forget, right. you know, and, that, that people are, are less right. um, willing to share. Le- forthcoming. Less forthcoming. Yes, yes. for sure. Um, and with that in mind, again, we'd like to put it out there that if you would like to share any war stories or um, anecdotes of your PD or care partner journey, you can drop us a line at show at indiepodcast.net. That's show at indypodcast.net. And if you just want to say hi and tell us where you're listening from, we'd love sure, that too. That would be fun. We keep getting these notices saying there are all these people in all these countries listening to us, and we're trying to figure out who the hell are they? You know, <laughs> how did they find us in the first place? So it would be interesting for us to take a look at, you know, who are who are our people? You know, let's put it that way. Yes. Yeah, so feel free to share or. You know, just keep on downloading and we'll keep putting out the content. And that's a wrap. Bing!